Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today we're going to be talking about the parables of Jesus. That's right. We're going to look at the sayings of Christ, all the hidden meanings, and so much more. Let those who have ears hear. excited about this episode. We've got lots of parables to choose from. We're not going to get into them all, mm-hmm. but um, definitely uh, definitely a characteristic of Christ's ministry that's worth diving into in greater detail. Without a doubt. I mean, the parables have left a lasting impression of truth upon the mystical body of Christ to respond to throughout every generation. The transcendent values of the teachings that are contained within the parables are very appropriate for today, even though they were written in the historical context of Jesus' own time. Yeah, parables are probably the most famous stories ever told, right? Mm -hmm. It was one of the primary teaching tools of Jesus Christ during his ministry. In fact, it makes up over a third of his recorded sayings are sayings of his that are in the form of parables. So we're going to look into what parables are, uh, how they're constructed, what are some of the hidden meanings, and we're going to take a look at a few of our favorite parables. Uh, But before we do that, why don't you let everyone know that he who has fingers to click, where to click. Oh, I like that a lot. Well, make sure that you're clicking onto your keyboard, catholictalkshow.com. And if you go to our website, there's always specialized content. There's notes and all sorts of links for the show notes. So make sure that you're checking out our website. And on each of our productions, you have a very detailed account of a lot of things that we cover. So make sure you go to catholictalkshow.com. And there you'll see every way that you could follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as audio feeds like iTunes and Google Play, Stitcher, and the like. We're also on YouTube. So if you're viewing our content right now and you're looking at us eye to eye, make sure you click that subscribe button, click the bell next to it, and give us a thumbs up so we can continue to spread this great content to all new markets. So before we get started, we just want to give a shout out, as always, to our patrons. Without your generosity, without your support, we would not be able to produce the show. So thank you so much. If you're out there and you're considering becoming a supporter of the show, go to catholictalkshow.com backslash forward slash forward slash some other slash some slash. Patreon. Slash from Guns N' Roses. Slash. Not that guy. Not that guy. Not that guy? No. Yeah. Okay. okay. But if you put in a slash there, make sure you put Patreon. There you'll see really cool tiers. We've got some great gear like Catholic Talk Show hoodies, rosaries, vampire slaying kits, and all sorts of really Just cool all stuff. All kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. yeah. So parables. Yes, parables. Yeah. You know, when I when I think of my my favorite out of all of them, the one that stands out the most is Prodigal Son. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I resonate so deeply uh, with that parable. I can't wait till we get into that one, but we have a few of them in store sure. for, for I you. Think before we even get into them, you know, it's worth noting that Jesus actually shared why he was preaching in parables, and it still kind of perpetuates this mis- mysterious, mystical body of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of Christ. And I mean, why don't you tell, I mean, you guys have the, 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 the parable pulled up, but it, or the, the reading pulled up, but he mentions this in Mark and Matthew. Um, because some of his disciples asked, why do you teach us in parables? Mm-hmm. And what does yeah. he say? And, and I think it's important to realize, too, and I'm glad that you pointed this out, Delacrosse, but, you know, Jesus is, is teaching with this tool that is, is parables from a rabbinic tradition. So, you know, it's deep within the tradition of Judaism, deep within rabbinic teachings, you know, so that, you know, you're ultimately communicating and you're instructing to your listener by way of parable, um, central to all of them is really the kingdom of heaven. That's what's being proclaimed throughout all of them. A tradition holds, you know, that, you know, great ones that we could really focus in and say, okay, that's clearly a parable. We have about 30, but it's really hard to say because Jesus used, you know, parabolic expression throughout throughout yeah, a true. lot of his teachings. Yeah, you know, there's, there's debate on how many parables there are, right? Some will say... Well, if you go back to the Catholic Encyclopedia, they'll say 33, mm-hmm. okay? And I think they were probably maybe forcing that number in to match the number of the years of life of Christ. Uh, I think maybe the most accepted is 38. Some people will say 39, 55, mm-hmm. over 60. And it's because of the difference in what people view as a parable, because sometimes they'll just be like, you know, uh, maybe just like an allegory, 
that's not clearly mm-hmm. a parable like I am the good shepherd. Well, mm-hmm. is that a parable or is that an allegory? Um, but the ones that are very clearly a story with a setup, mm-hmm. with a payoff, right. th- I, those traditionally are listed as 33 or 38. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have to also understand that because we have three gospels that contain parables, uh, there's some that are in multiple gospels. Uh, the gospel of St. John has no parables, Yeah. right? Uh, so it kind of lends credence to the idea of the Q source gospel that these were the recorded sayings of Jesus, right? People would just write these sayings down, and that was in the Q source. And then Mark, Matthew, and Luke would have drawn from these sayings and then extrapolated it with more insight, more stories. But you can kind of see the structure and the growth of the Bible even through parables, because mm-hmm. again, they make up over a third of the teachings of Jesus's, uh, you know, ministry. Now, starting out, Mark chapter four, verse 10 through 12, uh, the explanation of the parable, I think, is a helpful way to kind of get started looking more deeply. I just had a few of parables. And this is why he uses this. This is why he uses it. So starting out um, in verse 10, we hear, and when he was alone, those who were about him with the 12 asked him concerning the parables. And he said to them, do you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn again and be forgiven. So in that respect, the passage says to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, uh, that ever seeing, but never perceiving, you know, hearing, never understanding. This is ultimately, Jesus is using parables to conceal truth, but to also administer it. You know, Jesus had a lot of ears around him. Mm -hmm. He was preaching in public spaces and let he who has ears to hear, hear. You know, if there's a Roman around, if there's a Greek, if there's someone who he doesn't really want to kind of tip off as to the, the nature of his ministry, these are things that would have been familiar to the peasantry, to the mm-hmm. locals, to the Jewish people that might not have made any sense to a Roman listen to it. So it's a way to preach publicly, to hit really deeply to the people that you're trying to talk to without really tipping your hand to the people who might interrupt your ministry too early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the whole idea of seeing and uh, not seeing, but hearing, you know, um, I mean, that, that literally just describes like our own sinful nature. Like mm-hmm. we can, you know, we can go through motions in our lives and, and recognize Jesus, but not see him mm-hmm. in certain things. And he's, he's really expressing this from the roots of Isaiah chapter six, verse nine through 10. And it's really the, the basic thrust of what that is communicating is the rejection and judgment uh, that's found in his text. And it symbolizes God's judgment on those opposed to him. So it, there, there's an execution of that, even in Jesus's, really, he's delineating between those who are receiving and responding to the word of God and those who are attacking and tearing down the word of God. Yeah, I mean, how do you translate the divine logos? How do you, how do you take the, the Hagia Sophia, the divine wisdom, and translate it so that poor people in first century Judea can understand it. I mean, how do you transmit divine wisdom to the everyday person? And I don't think that Jesus gets enough credit for being the greatest preacher of all time. Mm -hmm. You know, you always think of him as a savior and as as the crucified Lord and the resurrection. But as a preacher, I mean, it's not even close. No one even comes nearly close. Mm -hmm. Good point. That is. And you you don't think of Jesus as the preacher. You think of Paul or you think of, you know, St. John Chrysostom, right? Christ is the model and the pure perfection of all preachers. And and to that point, you know, a lot of these parables are being delivered within a Palestinian mindset, within Palestinian Palestinian villages with relatable, mm-hmm. you know, experiences for the people that he's that, that, that he's communicating to. In- Tahiti well, at the time, they'd have been Judean mm-hmm. and Galilean. To that point, Jesus as a preacher is going to use familiar terms, familiar people 
in in the region and the historical context of where he's living. Mm -hmm. And that, as a preacher, that's the whole point. It's like you want to be able to draw people in from their common experience and elevate their mind to the kingdom of God. So ultimately, Jesus as preacher is most effective mm -hmm. because he's utilizing you know that that approach. And I think that's also good information out there yeah. for priests to consider. You know, and instead of coming at it from an academic perspective or yeah. you know what is the action of preaching, yeah. it's really trying to relate with the people you're serving and draw their minds into the deeper yeah. realities of what is being expressed in the scriptures. And, and some of the best ex explanations, I think, in scripture that are given by either theologians or preachers, they, in some cases, describe some of the things that they're talking about. Like, for example, you know, some some guy that owns a vineyard and the certain operations that would occur, mm -hmm. you know, so there are some... I, I would say like uh, sociological translations that mm -hmm. would occur with good preachers of today that mm -hmm. would even illuminate the parables even more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I like, and this is one of our common criticisms, that we laugh too much and we have too much fun. <laughs> number one, stop listening to us. Go listen to some <laughs> someone else. But number two is that I think if you look at maybe like a historical critical view of these parables to the people at the time listening to them, a lot of these are funny, right? A lot of these, mm -hmm. like this wasn't like, Throwing thunderbolts like Zeus, a lot of this was relatable and funny. I mean, you would, you know, you go to the first century Galilee and say, "Look, no one lights a candle and puts it under a bushel." Like, of course mm -hmm. not. That would be like saying, "Look, guys, that's like going out and buying a sixty-inch screen and putting it in your closet or your bathroom. Who does that, right?" Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it would have been relatable and a little bit kind of disarming, mm -hmm. you know. And it was familiar and it was telling things of everyday life, like sewers and bakers and. Yeah. Builders and workers, right? I mean, he's not yeah, talking he's, to theologians. Yeah, you know, he, he mm -hmm. covers a lot of different um, situational ground. Uh -huh. You know, um, I mean, even even in some cases, it's not even situational with humans. It's it's all like agriculture, like you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. And I think another thing to uh, that's good to understand about parables is that there's a few common themes between all of them. Yeah. So. I, I, in general, the way that I've seen it put together is that one of the themes is the kingdom of heaven, right? You're talking like the so, the parable of the sower or the pearl or the mustard seed or the hidden treasure, mm -hmm. right? All things that are like, hey, once you hear about this, leave everything to go after it. Mm -hmm. Then you have see. then you have ones of maybe sin or lost and and redemption, right? Mm -hmm. So lost coin, prodigal son, lost sheep, you know. Um, then you have ones about love and forgiveness. Good Samaritan, the you know the debtors, debtors yeah. Prayer, you'll have ones like, how do you pray? You know, you're talking about the friend at night, the Pharisee and the publican, and then um, a lot of them are about eschatology, right? You know, the coming things. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, the long delayed um, bridegroom, the the banquet, the ten virgins, all these things that say like, look, have patience, pray, have fortitude to wait for those coming mm -hmm. things. So. Mm -hmm. And, an, and another thing is, is it really expresses God's character, mm -hmm. you know, because God's character is gracious, mm -hmm. you know, and, and how does he show his graciousness in many of these respective parables, you know, and, and the one that we're going to touch on in just a moment, like the prodigal son is, is the graciousness of the father mm -hmm. and how extensively merciful God is yeah. in respect to that. Mm -hmm. Now, would you guys like to get into a parable? Maybe break a few of these down and yeah, give or take yeah. on. And I think before we before we get into into that, I'd like to just kind of reference principles for understanding Jesus's parables. This could be a six, you know, a six-tiered approach so that you can kind of have different ways that you can kind of look through different lenses as it relates to the parables. We're going to employ things and just kind of share uh, perspective, but first and foremost, we've already touched on this, but understanding the social, historical and cultural context of the parable. Very important. That's super important. Uh, two, determine the number of points in the parable that's intended to teach. So this could be linked to the number of main characters within the parable, because Jesus may have layers of approach, and he's trying to get across more than one point within the within the parable. So that's two. Yeah, and that, remind me that's to bring up that point, because in the prodigal son, yeah. that's one of the things that I really take from that one. Oh, that's great. Remind me of and that. like even the talents, when you think of, when you think of talents mm -hmm. too. So consider three, consider to whom the parable is directed. Is the audience being uh, addressed the disciples, the Jewish leaders, like the Pharisees, the mm -hmm. scribes, you know, the, the leadership within the, within the Jewish people, the crowd, 
you know? Um, so identifying the audience is going to help indicate the message and what the intention is behind the communication. So that's three. Four is to realize the repetition in parables is for the purpose of stressing a major point. Uh, you know, Jesus is emphasizing a major message that he does not want us to lose contact with and really take home to the bank in our hearts. Five, identify stock symbolism being employed. This one I really like uh, because this is covering, you know, what's commonly pictured throughout the Bible in these parables, fatherhood, a king, a judge, a shepherd, etc. So it's it's really important to identify what's being employed and and the nature of those uh, positions. And then finally, the conclusion of the parable, the last person deed after saying conveys the significance of the parable. What is it really being directed at? So, um, and and like you were saying too, like eschatology. You know, is this is this about end times? Is this about the kingdom of God? And then we could really start to kind of flesh things out. So I think that uh, approach to the parables is is pretty helpful as a lens to be able to look deeply into it. Mm-hmm. Now, before we get in, into the ones that we're going to cover, it's also worthy of note that there's parables in the Old Testament mm-hmm. too, mm-hmm. and that brings up to what you're saying that this this is a long tradition. Mm-hmm. You know, this comes from both the Old Testament and rabbinic tradition. This is a form of teaching that Jesus elevates to then really give divine wisdom to people in a way that they can understand. And that's so important to preaching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I think a good one to start with, and it, it goes to your point of understanding that there's different audiences even mm-hmm. within it, and there's different lessons to be learned depending on where you are in your life. And I think... Um, the prodigal son is I there's a few of the parables that are just more well known than others. I mean mm-hmm. that and the prodigal son, I think, is really maybe with the Good Samaritan oh, popular. Mm-hmm. The Good Samaritan, the mustard tree, those are probably the most famous. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So mm-hmm. why don't we would you read the parable the prodigal the parable <laughs> of the prodigal son? <laughs> Say parable of the prodigal son five times fast. Uh, <laughs> I'd be happy to. All right. The parable of the prodigal and his brother. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he's got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, listen, for all these years, I've been working like a slave for you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But with this son of yours came back who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are with me always, 
All that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. There's so much to unpack Mm. in there. Yeah, truly. Truly. One of the things that I always think of in this parable is, well, what, which person in this parable are you, right? Mm-hmm. You know, at what stage of your life are you? Are you, are you the one who's out, you know, spending everything on, you know, hookers and booze, and then you have to go feed the pigs, which again, mm-hmm. like little notes like that, like what a mm-hmm. um, insult it would be to have to go feed the pigs and then mm-hmm. you'd eat Especially the food. Jew. Right. That's right. the point, you know? Oh yeah, exactly. You know, and, but are you that one? Is that where you're at in your life? Or are you mm-hmm. the one who's saying, why are you giving everything to this guy who's a loser, right? Yeah. Or are you the father who's just so rejoiced with giving stuff to people yeah. because they're back, right? Mm. I think in every stage, in different stages of people's lives, they are a different character from that. And you could tell a lot. It's kind of like a spiritual bellwether to read this and say, who am I most like at this yeah. point in my life? Yeah. You know? And and I think that that goes to, you know, uh, the sense of, of the points of the parable and having multiple characters. Mm-hmm. You're really expressing that perfectly. It's yeah. like, how can I use this parable and examine my conscience? Exactly. Yeah. And and that's always been very helpful to me because I've been the whiny and complainy, you know, yeah. kid, you know, yeah. but I've also been the one who has squandered my, my yeah. father's, you know, graciousness, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. But you've also been the one who will do anything to get the person back, you know, mm-hmm. especially in your priestly ministry. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, again, at any point in your life, you could be one of these three characters yeah. and it's a yeah. good way to judge your spirituality. Well, I, I look at like the father here and I, I kind of think of, you know, obviously my sinfulness. And then when I was sorry for my sins, mm-hmm. like I was at the end of my rope and I was met with this amazing embrace from God. Yeah. And, and all of the, the, the sustenance of that embrace was found in Christ mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and all of the, all of the things that Christ had to do in order for that to happen was he died so that I could be brought back to mm-hmm. the Father. So, like, you look at, like, there's always hope, right? There, you, you can go and squander anything you have. You can, but, but the reality is, is that God wants you back. He desires you back mm-hmm. so much that he would kill the fatted calf and fend off the brothers to protect you and bring you back in in that love. And, and the, whole, the whole purpose of that was driven by the fact that he gave up his son. His son died a torturous death for that to happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can't, it, can't think of a better father. No, and and you don't have to manipulate the father's love for you. No, yeah, like you, you don't have to come up with a pre-rehearsed, you know, set yeah. of words that I'm going to go and I'm going to speak to my father and I'm going. To, you know it's what? Not I, a human conversation. <laughs> he no. had this whole speech. Yeah, planned, yeah and like the father's I love just like that. Yeah, comes you know, running. There, a big shout out to Monsignor Basso, who uh, who actually is in Notre Dame. Uh, he's doing some programs out there now. He's a biblicist and he taught at at St. Vincent de Paul. Yep. I'm, I'm sure Ryan remembers him very very fondly. Um, but you know, he was the one who really opened my eyes to you know the grace of the father mm-hmm. because he interrupts his son's prepared speech, <laughs> That's awesome. you know, and he's like, you know, stop, like, you know, get the fatted cab. I you bring you, out the you nicest robe. Yeah. Like <laughs> I see your contrition before <laughs> you're even in need of sharing. Even it. if your contrition isn't perfect, right? right? Because yeah, this is, th- this parable is really showing an imperfect contrition. He's just looking at it. It's like, you know, the hired hands of my father is living better than this. See, but I also love that, that he He's saying, look, I used to be an exalted son. Now, after I found out the hard way, yeah. I'm happy to just be one of his servants. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that's also, you talk about this a lot, Ryan, is that like the nature of people feeling unwilling to be forgiven. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he's not looking to be taken back into his previous role. He's just yeah. like, look, just give me enough to eat so I don't have to feed pigs and die. Yeah. And that's a lot of people feel unworthy of forgiveness. And that's a a burden that they carry around with them. Yeah. Because the stain of his shame is upon him. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and and everybody knows the life that he's lived. Mm-hmm. You know? So much in such a simple story. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, and, and but then look at the son who's kind of salty. He's like, look, I've mm-hmm. never done anything wrong. You know, I get your slippers and your newspaper and make you coffee every morning. I've always been here. And no goat. And no goat. I don't get a fatty cow. I don't even get a goat for my friends. What mm-hmm. are you doing? You know? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, 
I mean, particularly he had plans for that goat, right? But I think you look at a lot of people online, uh, you know, who kind of sound Pharisaical when they're commenting or making yeah. their videos. They're like that. They're like, "How dare you want to have a ministry to help these to losers. gay people or to yeah. uh, to immigrants? How dare you? No, we are the mm-hmm. sons of the church, and we speak in Latin, and we smell like incense, and uh, the bottom of the soles of our shoes are cracked from genuflecting so much." Guys, you're that. Yeah. Everything that the Father has is yours. Don't be jealous. The Father has more than enough to give. Yeah. You couldn't, it's an infinite amount to give. Don't be mad that somebody else is getting something from mm-hmm. the Father because everything you have is his. Chill out. Be mm-hmm. happy. The Father loves you. You and don't he, have to he, prevent others. And he uses other parables to drive that home mm-hmm. that we may or may not get into. But, yeah, like, uh, and this is something that, Jesus brings up in many parables, mm-hmm. you know, about, um, you know, I desi- desire mercy, not sacrifice. Mm-hmm. How many people are so interested in their sacrifice and mm-hmm. all the things that they do for Jesus and this and that? And it's like, he desires mercy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he, he'd much rather you come to him in your poverty than in your righteousness, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, this is what... And that, and I love how this this conversation is just flowing because ultimately, what is the greatest gift is the relationship with the father. Yeah. So you may get a a ring, <laughs> a ring, a uh, robe, a goat, a, a goat or a fattened calf, mm. but the 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 greatest relationship and the greatest gift is God's graciousness. Like yeah. God's graciousness and to your point his mercy if we're existing in the mercy of God, strip me down of all worldly prosperity or any type of worldly gain. Mm-hmm. Like I have the father's love. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's what's so touching. I, I, that's why I love going through this yeah. this parable because it really speaks to to what you guys are talking about. And, and that's kind of like the other parable where you have the laborers in the field, and there's some who started uh, at daybreak and they're working all day, yeah. and they and then there's other people who come at the sixth hour, mm-hmm. right? And they work for a few hours and they get the same payment. Mm-hmm. And everyone's kind of like, well, why are they getting paid as much? And that's what, almost like the stuff that I've heard yeah. and you've seen with the. Um, with the anointing of the sick, mm. like where you, where somebody is faced with their death, they have this immense amount of contrition. Mm-hmm. Uh, a priest comes and delivers the sacraments, and then the sacrament of the sick is just a beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm faced with? A need for... I've got these problems on the bottom of my feet. Mm-hmm. Bunions. Bunions. And, uh, you know, I had some socks in the past that really I wore, and it just advanced the problem. Yeah. Do you guys know of any type of socks that I could possibly wear that— Well, it's funny you mention that, because I'm thinking of the historical critical method, right? Okay, yeah. And we're talking about, like, well, if Jesus had been given the parables today, he wouldn't be talking about wheats and tares. He'd be talking, you know, electronics and stuff. Yeah. And, like, for example, in this parable— if the father saw the kid running, he wouldn't say, hey, go get a ring to put on his hand. He'd say, no, go get a pair of sock religious socks <laughs> to put on his feet. Okay? That's what would have happened. Okay? I, yeah. Right? Of course. Yeah. Uh, bring me the finest pair. Bring me the bring me the nativity pair of socks and put yeah. it on him. And then, you know, the old sons would be like, what? I've been wear, walking around with these stinky, holy socks and you're giving him these great sock religious socks, and I got these boring, smelly Hanes socks. Yeah. Not fair. And he's like, look, everything I've always had in socks are yours. And you can go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash socks, and you can save 10% off. And then the older son was like, all right, Dad, that's a great deal, because these are great socks. I get 10% off of them, right? Yeah. Now, let me tell you, I mean, <laughs> there are so many options when it comes to what they have in their stock. I mean, In their sock stock. In their stock. In their sock in market? Their, in their sock market? Let me tell <laughs> Those you. Those who have feet will hear. <laughs> and enjoy the comfort of these socks. I mean, every day I put on my socks from Sock Religious. You know, they make great gifts. They have so many things. They have St. Michael. They have St. Francis. They have Pope socks. They have... St. Joseph socks. They have they nativity have socks. Our Lady of Guadalupe. Oh, those Where are nice. Those oh yeah, man. Uh, let's say put them. Put that. Put that stinky cloud hopper up there. Did you see that, Howard? Nope. Get. Get it up by the mic. Get it out here. <laughs> oh, he just oh, threw out your knee. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Father the Rich. Most I've ever stretched in my life. <laughs> yeah, Father <laughs> Rich does wear these socks every day, and 
you know, I, I know you've gotten a lot of them as gifts for parishioners. Uh, they make great gifts for confirmations, mm -hmm. baptisms. Uh, they're made in America now, yeah. which is great. Um, Scott from Sock Religious, you know, it started out as just like a, you know, hobby. like a fun little hobby, yeah. and it's turned into this absolute sock empire yeah. because people go crazy for these things. They love sock them. Empire. You know, and they have a lot of cool stuff too. They have shirts, they have onesies for babies, they have stickers, they have socks for kids. I mean, look, if your kid is going to a Catholic school, you know, they all wear uniforms. Yeah. Put these on your kids, man. It's a fun thing, number one, to teach them. And number two, you know, kind of spice up the wardrobe a little bit. That's it, man. I mean, I, I wear my uniform mm -hmm. every day. It's a way that I can kind of keep it fresh. And That's so like clean, your only clean. form of expression. I mean, yeah. you're all in black like Johnny Cash, but your <laughs> socks are looking, you know, Snazzy. very much. And then once the people of God see, especially their priest, sporting some socks like this, mm -hmm. I mean, it's like it's just a constant influx of... <laughs> Of more socks. Of more, more socks. socks. Yeah. You know, it's a blessing. When you became a priest, did you ever think you'd have this much socks? I had. <laughs> yeah. I could have never imagined. I could have never imagined. Oh so go to go to CatholicTalkShow.com uh, forward slash socks, and you can save 10% off of everything on SockReligious.com. We're really proud to be their sponsor. They're super comfortable, amazing designs. They're fun. You know, why wear boring socks? Wear something that, you know, puts a little... Uh, Holiness under your soul. Yeah. I love it. All right. Yeah. You know, and, and honestly, like, I start each each day with, like, an intercession of whatever sock I'm wearing. So if I'm wearing St. Dominic, if I'm wearing St. Ignatius, St. Nicholas. St. Medals are, you know, that's all medieval stuff. We're, You're putting we're on socks. the armor of God. I am, literally. And, and you know, I always think about the, the feet. Like, my, my feet are going to be taking me places pastorally. So it's like, you know, let me be joyful in my, in my deposit of faith. And Saints this are helps me. with you. Yeah, like it helps me to be joyful in the day. Now, look, a good pair of socks is the foundation of the body, right? <laughs> um, and foundations are everything. So let's get back into the parables, and let's talk about the parable of the two builders. Mm -hmm. And this one is one of the shorter parables, but I think the imagery is so evocative. It's been so ingrained into just our, our, our mentality <laughs> that whenever you think of, you know, I guess foundations. This always comes to mind, at least for me. Mm -hmm. And it's the it's the the parable that you know birthed the three little pigs. You know, very much true. And on top <laughs> and on top of that too, it's like it is the it's the parable that's used whenever you do a house blessing. Yeah. Oh, oh really? Oh cool. yeah. Yeah. Cool. And it's something that I've been praying with, especially being charged with the responsibility of building, of, a, church. Of building a church. Which, by the way, I want to throw out there before we get into this, talking to foundations. 1.2 before we get into the thing. Uh, Father Rich is building a parish, okay? Yeah. He's building a church here in Nocatee, Florida, dedicated to Pope St. John Paul II. Uh, right now, he's a, he's a mission church. They're out of a, a, a small hall. That's where they've been having Mass for the last couple of years. If you want to help support Father Rich, get this parish built, number one, to help him, number two, to honor Pope St. John Paul II, number three, to help all the great people. I mean, your parishioners are awesome. Yeah. awesome. They are so welcoming, so good, so dedicated. Go to his website and, and maybe consider donating a little bit, you know, and taking part in the building of a new church in a time when so many churches are closing. Yeah. We got something really dynamic coming down here where churches are being built, and you yeah. want to be part of that flow. So, you know, please go and help support this because this is... Look, if it comes down between this and being a patron, go do that because yeah. that we're gonna die. This yeah. church will last for, for hundreds ever. of years, so Amen. that's a that's a better foundation. Oh man, you know Thank we're you. we're we're built on sand here, and we know it. Yeah, yeah. right. No, that, that's beautiful, man. So Thank where, you. Where for can that. they go for that? Um, you could go to NakatiCatholic.com. And you'll see a way that you could support us uh, month to month. Anything helps, really. If it's five bucks, if it's ten bucks, or whatever, it, as generous as you can be. This is an exciting time for us as a parish because we're we have a blank canvas, mm -hmm. and we could really build the church of the new millennium in the mm -hmm. honor of Saint John Paul II and following his charism with focus on family, on on multicultural celebrations and festivities related to our faith, and trying to build out an infrastructure of technology so that the products that we are starting here at the Catholic Talk Show will continue into different markets, different expressions, and different teachings and catechetical guides so that we can really truly embrace our faith and ensure that the next generation and the generation to follow mm -hmm. for many, many years to come will enjoy the beauty and the splendor of truth right here at St. John Paul II. And, you know, thank you for considering that. Thank you for thank yeah, you for and, and I'll that. put a link to the video. I'll put a link on the website. I'll put a link in the emails going forward. Really... 
I, I you know, please, please yeah. help him out. I mean, it's a yeah. worthy, worthy cause. Thank you, bro. Thank you. So um, getting back into it, why don't you, yeah. why don't you read this for I'd us? I'd be happy please. to. So this is Matthew chapter 7, and verse 24 through 27. The parable of the two builders. Yep, parable okay. of the two builders. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Mm -hmm. I mean, if that isn't a parable for the modern world, I don't know what is because in our modern world, we are building our found. We're, well, number one, we are destroying our foundations. We are leaving church. We are leaving authority. We are leading, leaving obedience to government and church and everything. Yeah. And we have no foundation. We are people built on sand. And our foundations now are um, consumerism, our pleasure, our lust. That is a foundation of, of sand. And if anything, I mean, look, great will be our fall because of where our foundations lie. Look how many marriages fell because right. of that. Look how many suicides occur because of that. Look how many children are growing up with instability mm -hmm. in their lives as a result of that. You know, all of a society is, is really crumbling in the midst of our eyes right now because of these realities of what people are building on. That's right. I mean, how many unhappy people... They have everything. Look, if you would have went to a first century Judean who heard this and said, look, you could walk down the street and you can get 100,000 different kinds of food at affordable rates, you know, if you walk 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. They'd be like, that's impossible. That will never happen. Mm. Hey, there will not be any war. You will live in secure houses. You'll have running water. Get out of here. You're going to not be dying of diseases because of advancements in medicine. They're like, no, when, that's heaven. That's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And we have everything in the world, and we are empty. Yeah. We are so empty as a people, as a culture, because we fulfilled all of our bodily needs, you know? That's why it's so beautiful when we encounter um, the poor and the joy that comes from the poor, mm -hmm. especially like in Chalco or mm -hmm. in Mexico, you see just contentment. Mm -hmm. um, why, why are they content? They don't have any of these things, you know, mm -hmm. and, and the reason why they're content is because they just rely on God. And mm -hmm. that's, that's the rock. The rock is God. God yeah. is the one who takes care of us. You know, I was right? in Jamaica and I brought uh, students from St. Joseph Academy and we went to visit this woman who lived on the side of a mountain and it was just really sheet metal, things kind of put yeah. together. One large bed where nine kids and her mother-in-law and, and she slept every night and a little area for preparation for food. Very, very poor environment. And when we visited her, one of the kids asked, she's, you know, um, she engaged questions and they asked, you know, like, how do you still have faith in God yeah. living in these, in these experiences? Like your, your husband left you, yeah. you know, you have all these children and, you know, the poverty, like they're, you know, they're, yeah. they're just shocked by it. And she turned and she started to weep and cry. And she said, you know, it was God who's got me through every storm. Like literally storm waters would course through her house and take away everything inside of her house and rush it down the side of the mountain where she lived. And we were ultimately able to build a house for her and, and move her children into a, a new house. It was really, it was a great experience. But the whole sense of God gets me through the storm God has been with me in my poverty, and he is my strength. The witness of the poor in that reality is the greatest treasure in society. Mm. And, you know, it changed a lot of these kids' lives forever, you know, yeah. the, that I, the, and it changed my life forever, you know, hearing her witness. Yeah. Uh, just so beautiful. It, it's like a, a happiness theory of relativity. I mean, you have people, you have super rich, important I don't know, TikTok influencers are, who are committing suicide. Mm -hmm. They're terribly unhappy. But then you have somebody, you know, in Mozambique or somebody in... Nobody knows them. India. No one knows that they have nothing. But because of the relativity, like, they're not wanting the same level of things. They've got food. They've got shelter. They've got family. They're incredibly happy. They have their faith. They have mm -hmm. a, some level of security. That's enough. Mm. You know, there's... It can, concupiscence. I mean, we all have this God-sized hole in us. It's like a black hole. You cannot throw 
everything in the universe into that hole and fill it up because the universe is not bigger than God. You can take any amount of money, any amount of sex, any amount of power, any amount of influence, it's it's nothing. Mm. It doesn't fill that hole up. Only God does. And I think this parable and parables like it, like mm. the parable of the sower, where the seed lands on the rocky ground or the good ground or mm. the you know thistles, um, this is really important to reflect on this is that mm -hmm. you will never, ever be truly happy until you have God. Yeah. You are, mm -hmm. Your life is founded on that the rock of, of, of Christ, you know? And, and that goes to, the, you know, what's being directly influenced here is parable is wisdom, you know? Like sometimes it characterizes God in a way, but, but this is a, a clear administration of yeah. wisdom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you got people banging on the doors and you got storms in your life like we all mm -hmm. do, there's no better app than the cap, number one Catholic app in the app store. That's Hallow. Oh, I like that transition. That's Hallow. Yeah. I mean, if you want access to this rock, this God, this Jesus, uh, the faith of our church, there's no app better. It's got so much content in it. Uh, you know, Lexio Divina led prayer, somebody guiding you into prayer, into unity with God. You've got Jonathan Rumi on it, Mike Schmidt, Father Mike Schmitz. You got Bishop Barron, like all these amazing catechists of our time. You've got music, uh, night prayer, if you're having trouble sleeping. Like all those things are right there and access to your fingertips. All the things that the world gives us, right, that, that are empty, Th these guys use everything that the world gave us, and they created this app to help us find the rock. That's right. They're, they're like little, they're like little building blocks, uh, you know, all put together in hollow that can create a solid foundation. Yeah, it's got prayer, meditation, Rosaries. it's got chant, it's got rosary, it's got so many of these things that can help you form that solid foundation. Again, you know, we're talking about the parallels between ancient and modern. You know, this is using modernity in a proper way. Yes. You know, this is the proper orientation Amen. of modern technology, not to go and look at pornography, not to go and look at frivolous things on TikTok and Instagram. Or materialism and yeah, buying and shopping. Amazon and, or whatever. Mm -hmm. This is using technology to take the treasures of the church yeah. and make them into a thing that can access anywhere. And That's when we, powerful. And when we think of what you were saying before, Sheila, you know, like St. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they rest in God. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this application gives you the rich tradition and history of, of mystics who have deposited a prayerful way of life to influence you to enter into that communion with the saints and all of the angels before God's omnipotence and find rest in him as the saints who have gone before us have experienced firsthand. So if you haven't downloaded the app, uh, we strongly encourage that you go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash hollow, H-A-L-L-O-W. A lot of our listeners use this app. They've said nothing but great things. I use the app. Mm -hmm. You use the app. A lot of my parishioners, too, we, we put up, yeah, one from yeah. the show, but also Hallow sent me a beautiful banner that I put in the gathering oh, space, great. and I had it out there for a while just Good. encouraging people to use it. It's it's a huge resource for the church. Yeah, there's only one crack in the foundation of Hollow, and that's it's missing one brick. And I, like I said, guys, write to Hollow. Tell them that we need Father Rich on that. <laughs> <laughs> that will then make it the, f the solid foundation that can't get washed away. <laughs> you know, it's Free. You could put me in the basement or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> the basement doesn't matter. It's, but yeah, go to CatholicTalkShow.com forward slash hollow. You can get it free for a trial period. Yep. It's always free. They always have free features that are always available when you download it. But some of the more advanced features, you know, after you can try those out for free and see if this yep. is an app that really helps mm -hmm. orient your life. So yep. good pull, Delacrosse. What? Uh, thank you. Uh, what? Um, what so, uh, parable so, are we doing? Next? But but you know I think to conclude with what you were saying and conclude with the previous parable yeah. of the two builders, it, you know the whole point is like, don't just be hearers, be yeah. doers of yeah. the of the word, mm -hmm. and and being the doer, you know being active and employing this wisdom from God, is is highly important and and that's what Hallow provides uh, to so many people and and I'm hoping that our show does as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. And again, talking about solid foundations, sacrilegious, solid foundation. <laughs> on your feet. On your feet. On your feet. I think we have time for one more parable. Okay. There's so many that we can get to. There's so many that are great. The Where are we going? Seed. The talents, the mustard the talents, seed. There's, you know, the, the poor woman. There's yeah. so many that oh, are so excellent ones. foundational. And I mm -hmm. just encourage you, I'll put a list on the website of all the parables so you can go and read all of them. It'll take you a couple, maybe an hour or two. It's worth your time. There's nothing you can do better with that time, typically. 
but I think this is probably the most famous one. Oh, I know where you're going. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. Mm -hmm. And in our fractured society, there is, I don't think, one that we need to maybe reincorporate into our lives more than this one. Because modernity has brought so many people together in close space in ways that they've never been before. Mm -hmm. And we are encountered with a lot of different people, viewpoints, and, and people that honestly irritate us. People we don't, you know, our natural inclination is to dislike them because they're different than us. Yeah. And well, most of that's even electronically. It's not well, even that's what like, I'm saying. it's not even like human interaction. It's well, it's like it's veiled. We're building up so much hatred for everyone around right. us, you know? And this parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan, mm -hmm. is really the antidote to that. So yeah. would you read that, Father Rich? Sure, I'd be happy to. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 42, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him into an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Yeah, I think this is one of those things where it's important to understand the difference between a Samaritan, a Levite, and a... Sure. So, I mean, if you go I back think to... that says a lot in this parable. If mm -hmm. you go back to the time, the Samaritans were kind of like a, a heretical sect. They had their own temple in yeah. Samaria. They were like, I don't know, it'd be like um, a Mormon to us, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like, yeah, they're kind of like Mormons, but they're not really Christians. They got this weird, yeah. you know, they're not like us. Yeah. They're kind of looked down on, kind of a joke, kind of pariahs, right? Um, they're, they're the people that, um, you're taught to dislike, dislike, you're like, mm -hmm. Hey, these are not our people you're taught that way. Yeah. Or it's Muslims or it's atheists or, I mean, yeah. in our world, we have no shortage of people who are not like us. They're Democrats. I don't, you know, I'm a yeah. Democrat. I don't want that person or Republican. Yeah. Kidding me. Black guy, mm -hmm. an Indian dude, mm -hmm. you know, uh, whomever, an Asian mm -hmm. woman. Yeah. That, could be, that, that could experience prejudice. Exactly. You know? sure. Clearly it was, there was a prejudice and I think, you know, utilizing what you're, how you're delivering that, you're, you're kind of bringing from the historical context of when this parable was expressed mm -hmm. to now kind of giving that sense of what would this be related to today? Mm -hmm. And, you know, how true is it that people lose their minds and become enraged socially when it's, it's associated with some type of form of prejudice mm -hmm. and, and they begin to spew every type of evil? Yeah. Prejudice is an ugly thing, and it's a lot of times societal. I mean, you look at it right back here. I mean, do any of us hate Samaritans? I don't know. Most people don't even yeah. know what a Samaritan is. But mm -hmm. at the time, you talk to a Jew, they're like, those no-good oh, Samaritans. Yeah. You can't trust them as far yeah. as you can They throw. move on the other side yeah. of the street when they see them. That's right. Yeah, I love what mm -hmm. Bishop uh, Fulton Sheen, Archbishop Fulton Sheen said about this. He's like, well, the reason that the, uh, the priest and the Levite passed him by is because they already found him robbed. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. They didn't have you anything know, else they can yeah. get from them. And the, the thing I think about today is that they they went to the other side um, of the road, these two guys, 
And I think about how many times that um, we can show people mercy around us and we're, we're, we're distracted or we're busy. Mm-hmm. Like we think something in our life it requires certain mm-hmm. attention. Mm-hmm. And, and so okay, and we prioritize I don't that be bothered by over this. our neighbor. That's such right. a good point. I don't point. want to be bothered by this. Yeah. So e- even though like when it's time to show mercy, I show mercy. But, you know, if something's in front of when me, it's and convenient. Busy, yeah. When, yeah. When it's convenient. And, you know, I think of the times that I've done that in mm-hmm. my life where mm-hmm. I've, I've kind of said, you know, I've got to I've got to get to this place or whatever. Instead of just doing, you know, what God asks us to do. Yeah, the schedule dominates my priority and not the person that's right in front of me. It's it's a pain. You know, I I think to to your kind of point as well, and as we're describing Samaritans, I think it's helpful to open up the Bible to the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verse 9. And this is the Samaritan woman. So Samaritan woman said to Jesus, how is it you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So in the minds of some Jews, Samaritan was nearly as bad as being possessed by a demon. Wow. You know, so or a leper. Which which is expressed in John chapter 8 verse 28. So you know, Jesus's attitude seems less you know, in in, in that sense like Jesus is tearing down the social How conscience. shocking would that have been to the Pharisees and the Levites if Jesus right? is like, yeah, you know, having a drink of water with a Samaritan woman mm-hmm. who's yeah. been divorced and who's a little bit sketchy. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, what's with this guy? This yeah. guy is... And obviously, they did do that, and that's why they moved against him. But you can even see in the setup of the story where the lawyer's trying to trick Jesus into saying something. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, what does the Bible say? What does the scripture say? Well, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. And he's like, okay, well, go do that. What are you asking me for? <laughs> I love that answer. He's like, Jesus there you go. Yeah. You just answer your own question. Go. But he didn't want an answer. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to really know. He was testing him. He was mm-hmm. trying to, he wasn't testing him. He's trying to get him to slip up. He's a lawyer. He's doing mm-hmm. his lawyer tricks, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why I love Jesus' response. What's written in the law? And lawyer, too. I didn't even think, hey, lawyer, what does the law say? Yeah, you're I, you're Mr. Law, man. <laughs> I think um, I think I've shared this on. I think that's funny. Isn't I think that great? he probably said that. He, I imagine him saying that with a little bit of. Oh like, yeah, like Jesus is quick wit. Like yeah. he's reading this situation perfectly well. <laughs> that's great, you know. And then he sees that this guy, all he wants to do is justify himself. Well, he wants a legal definition. Who is my neighbor? Yeah. Which what exactly constitutes a neighbor? But 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 even even in like that kind of sanctimonious treatment uh-huh. of you know and and. <laughs> It's a sense of self, like, well, I'm living out the tenets of the faith. I'm, yeah. I'm Catholic. I'm, you know, this is what I'm doing, and I'm more Catholic than the Pope. Uh-huh. You know, like, yeah. how often do we see that? Hercules, yeah, Hercules. like, so I'm awesome. more Catholic than the Pope, and that's why you should watch my videos. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, so, right? Exactly. Well, that's who it is. It's exactly Pharisees. who it is. That's it's cr- that's yeah. very true. But I love that he gives him an answer that's. This guy wanted a technical definition of my neighbor. My neighbor is person who does X by the azimuth squared. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is like, let me tell you a story. And he <laughs> levels him, levels him, because you cannot argue with the logic. He takes the person to the lawyer who is the most terrible. He's taken the Samaritan, and he's blasting this lawyer, and the lawyer can't say anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just, it's leveling, and it's humbling mm-hmm. and you got this person who's got to be high-minded and mm-hmm. very proud of his you know background but he figured it out yeah and then jesus just blasts and mm. paves the street with this story mm. and there's nothing you could say to it and he's like bye-bye now bye go, go and do likewise <laughs> go and do likewise <laughs> <laughs> go and do likewise walk away <laughs> wow uh, yeah and and i think um i think like just mentioning this and and the pharisees and and how we're talking about being uh, you know uh, more Catholic than the Pope. It's like, you know, the the whole purpose of the gospel and 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 Christ dying for our salvation is, is that we have to live this mi- mystical life, this of this mystical body, and we show people when we show people mercy, even the ones that we're supposed to hate, mm-hmm. like that that is a mystical experience for people. Like I forgive them, 
No, that's exactly it. I mean, it's Jesus expressing what credit is there if we love those who love us? You yeah. know, it's it, it, Jesus flips everything upside down upside on its head. Down. He's so challenging. And he tears down these these sociopolitical uh, dividers yeah. among people. That's what we need to do today. And we need to go through the transformation of our own mentality, our own prejudices, and be reformed. Dude, yeah. there's people listening right now, and they hear us saying that. And they're like, these guys are a bunch of liberals. We are yeah. not liberal at all. But you hear that. You're so trained to hear break down walls. Yeah. As soon as you get challenged, you, you just you, like, yeah, cast, oh, yeah, oh, people dude. Off. It's, and people pick it's apart arrogance. my homilies sometimes. Yeah. And they, and they want to just tag me and label me constantly. And it's like, you know, I trust me when I'm telling you, I am not speaking from any platform politically. Right. Yeah, of course. And if, and if these None words offend you, if these words you offend know? you, you're offended by Christ, not us. Yeah. This is what we're talking about. We're and, and you were just like this lawyer who yeah. got didn't want to hear the answer he gave. Yeah, yeah. And Look, you, you know will, the answer. Go and do it. Yeah, and and you're going to have to account for this one day. Right. And and God will show you mercy mm-hmm. yeah. because He's shown us all mercy. Right. Amen. There you go. Mm-hmm. But I, I just remember like the breakthrough in my life as a Christian when I first started out was that I hated a lot of people in my life. I I was um, I had a childhood and growing up that was rough and and had some problems and. You know, one of the guys that was helping me was like, you know, do you pray for the people that you hate? And I'm like, I I don't hate anybody. He's like, oh, I've heard you talk about this guy and that guy and these people that wronged you. And I'm like, all right, well, all right. So he says 30 days, you go pray a rosary. Mm -hmm. You pray for their peace, prosperity, and happiness. I'm like, no, 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 (laughs) that's not how this is going to work. He's like, then don't come back and see me. Mm. You wanted somebody to help you navigate this new life that you're living. This is new to you, Mm. right? It's You're praying for your... And I'll never forget, for 30 days, I prayed a rosary for like five or six people in my life that God would give them peace, prosperity, and happiness. And all the bitterness that I had for them, all of it was gone. And I saw them as sinners like me Mm. that needed God's mercy. And I Mm -hmm. prayed that in God's time, they would receive that and come back to him. That was the breakthrough for me. That's beautiful, dude. This is what we—and the question, the litmus test is, for everybody listening, is who do you hate? Think, do you pray for them? Like, this is this is our life in Christ. This mm-hmm. is our life in Christ. We pray for our enemies, mm. right? Mm. Yeah, there's the old saying uh, that— You know, for our families and those who are—like, all, mm-hmm. all these other people, but you got to throw in some people you don't like. The, the invitation of Christ is always into the unco- the, the discomfort. You yeah. know, it's, it's always into, you know, where are you challenged to grow? Mm. And, and let's grow there. And it's hard. It's hard. It's yeah. hard to love your enemies. Always. But again, what what benefit is there if you aren't moving in that direction? If you're not embracing the discomfort of the cross and moving forward on the mission of love, how could we ever, who complain about the state of the world and say, we need change, and we constantly <laughs> elect people who run on the platform of change, real change happens when we embrace the discomfort of loving those yeah. Who are most in need of love, and most of the times it's the people that we can't stand or What's our own enemies. In the rosary, like, oh well, my, it's the Fatima prayer. Oh, oh my God, I'm heartily sorry, or not. Oh my Jesus, oh my Jesus forgive us our sins, sins, save us from the fires of hell, and lead all souls, souls to heaven, heaven, especially those that are most in need of thy mercy. mercy. Those are the people you hate. Yeah. Trust me, you there, will hate them. Yeah. There's a quote by Dorothy Day <laughs> that will absolutely level you if you haven't heard it, because it leveled me, and it says. I only really love God as much as I love the person I love the least. Amen, dude. That's so wow. good. That's I so only good. love God as much as I love the person that I love the least. If that isn't a challenge and if that doesn't open your eyes, you know, to go away for 30 days and start praying that rosary for everyone, like Ryan just said, because yeah. if that doesn't hit you right in the soul, something's not going right for you. That reminds me of St. Catherine of Siena, and I'm I'm, I'm going to paraphrase, but... Um, someone's love of God is not known by the lofty prayers that they express to God in the midst of the church with poetic language, but in how much they love their neighbor. Mm-hmm. And and that is when we truly articulate the love of God. Yeah, and, and I've been learning this a lot just from being around you two guys over the last three years. I've softened a lot. I don't know. Go watch our old episodes. I mean, there's, <laughs> you know, there's, look, you know, it's maybe more fun to be boisterous and loud, and a lot of it's kind of just, you know, hamming it up for the camera, but... I'm learning this stuff too. I mean, everyone should be. Yeah. We're all growing, man. Yeah. We're all hard. growing, and there's no corner market on on this. You know, like we're before an omniscient God, 
and we have the fullness of revelation in our faith and mm. we get to engage that and share that and have conversation, it should be moving us all to our, our own personal transformation. Yeah. You know? I want to get that Dorothy Day quote put up. We on need to. Here. That's I excellent. That up here. Yeah, that's great. I um, love that. But, but just look, we went through just three parables here in about 45 minutes or mm -hmm. so. And look at how much reflection, conversation, yeah, this was beautiful, thoughts man. we were able to have. And that's the the mystery and the power of this divine logos put into these everyday stories. Mm -hmm. It's the most authentically brilliant thing that I've ever heard. Yeah. And I just encourage everyone to go out and read as many of these parables as you can. Maybe pick one every day. Pick 30 and read one every day for a month and just really meditate on it. Yeah. Find out who you are in that story, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of these parables, there's these multiple characters. Who are you? Or how are mm -hmm. you reacting to the grace of the king in the story or mm -hmm. whatever? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I love the parables. This was a great episode. And, man, I wish we could do every parable. You know? I know. And, and who do, I mean, we can we can revisit this. So if if you want us to cover more parables. We can do parables, parables part two, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've already like decided we need to do that. Yeah, okay. this was this was truly enjoyable. We hope that you enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed it. This was a great conversation, opening up the beautiful concealed truth of the parables and try to receive them and really deeply, you know, try to live and be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. So let those who have ears truly hear. And if you truly hear, it's time to put it into practice. So we, we hope again, once again, that you enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure that you give us a little thumbs up, share the show, and subscribe on all platforms, and let's continue to spread the beautiful family that we have growing here at the Catholic Talk Show. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.